Hello everyone, I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. High Energy Entrepreneurial Executive Caitlin M. Brewer is passionate about empowering people, organizations, and communities to enhance the impact of social movements. As president and CEO of Darkness to Light, the nation's leading advocate for the prevention of child sexual abuse, her expertise in transforming organizational cultures, achieving programmatic scale, and implementing behavior change communication lends invaluable insight to the larger conversation of child protection as a collective adult responsibility. Since 2016, Caitlin's leadership has resulted in exponential growth in programmatic reach and increased standing as a chief influencer in the space of child safety. Through education, advocacy, and research, Darkness to Light continues to revolutionize the way society keeps children safe from abuse. Previous to Darkness to Light, Caitlin was Chief of Operations for Washington, D.C.-based Children of Fallen Patriots, a foundation committed to supporting the children of military veterans, with a focus on increasing transparency and accountability. Prior to that, Brewer worked with Africare as Director of Strategic Engagement, managing Johannesburg-based programmatic activity and regional business development initiatives for Southern and Eastern Africa. Caitlin's dedication to innovation, emergent technologies, and cross-team alignment empower nonprofits to achieve critical social goals. Her work has resulted in sustainable change for communities, both nationally and internationally. Caitlin continually demonstrates that grassroots community initiatives lay the groundwork for organizations to expand their missions globally. Caitlin is a graduate of Wheaton College in Boston, Massachusetts, with a bachelor's in international relations and French. She lives in Charleston, South Carolina with her spouse. Caitlin, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be talking about this um, very important topic today. And I want to know a little bit more about um, Darkness to Light organization. I first found out about you. I was actually listening to Allie Raisman on the Dax Shepherd podcast, and she was talking about mm-hmm. the organization, how um, you guys are really involved with discussions around protecting youth athletes from sexual abuse. So can you tell us a little bit more about Darkness to Light and how you guys have taken on um, this issue as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure to be with you all today. Thank you so much for for having me on and, and talking about this incredibly important but difficult topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so Darkness to Light is about 20 years old, and we started in Charleston, South Carolina, because uh, a group of women really you know, were frustrated by the fact that they were waiting until children had been abused mm-hmm. um, to, for, to see them at the CAC. And so they created this training called Stewards of Children. And it's a two-hour training. It's evidence-informed. Um, and it brings you through five steps, basically, to recognize, react responsibly, and prevent child sexual abuse. Um, and so that training, you know, sort of grew in the Southeast. Um, it's a train-the-trainer model. 
So we have about 13,000 facilitators across the country and 17 other countries. Um, And, you know, now obviously COVID has forced us into sort of the live virtual setting. So we do it a lot over Zoom. Um, And you can also just take it online, which is actually how we partner with Allie Raisman. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has a flip the switch campaign. So uh, anyone can go on to that website, flipthetwitchcampaign.org and take it for free. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, this is such a big topic. So can you break it down for us a bit? What makes the world of sports or the culture of sports that could put a child in a risky situation for abuse? Yeah. So when you think about abuse in its most basic form, any form, whether it's sexual, physical, mental, it's a, it's a power dynamic. Um, And that doesn't mean that there aren't sexual components in play when it comes to child sexual abuse, because there are. But when you think about a power dynamic, you think about, you know, a child is never going to be equally as powerful as their abuser, right? But a child's also not going to be equally as powerful as their coach or their parent pushing them to, you know, perfect their, um, their sport. And so when you add the layer in sports of the, the honor and the respect and the dignity that's demanded of those who are sort of in charge of all of the youth athletes, you put adults in a place in a position where they have almost unlimited power over these kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's a really unsafe dynamic when it comes to those who are looking to abuse children. And I, you know, I want to be clear, there are millions of adults out there who are safe adults, who coach, who, you know, volunteer, who travel with travel teams, who are safe people. Um, but the reality is those who are looking to hurt kids are going to put themselves in a position to be around children in places where they can take advantage of the situation and have that power naturally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you think the occurrence is increasing or, gosh, I'm just thinking about this, the culture of sports has changed so much and we're hearing about it more. But do you think occurrence is increasing or are we just shedding more light? on it and athletes are coming forward more. What do you think has been going on in the world right now as we are just hearing more and more about it? So I think you're hearing a lot about legacy cases right now. You know, a lot of the things that are happening um, have happened in the past, but that being said, Larry Nasser was still the USA gymnastics doctor when all of these brave gymnasts came forward, you know, so he was still actively treating gymnasts um, and hurting gymnasts when, you know, uh, Rachel disclosed finally. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and well, I should say disclosed and was listened to. Um, yeah. And so uh, there, there are currently today ongoing cases that are actively happening that people have not caught yet because they have yet to be uh, educated. They have yet to ha- find the courage to disclose. They have yet to find someone to believe them. Um, And so that is why it is not sort of a let me take this, you know, course in a couple weeks. It's it is an urgent matter. And and we're hearing about it because you are finding that people have more courage and are more educated than they were even, let's say, five years ago. Um, There are you know, the the professional community is sort of debating what the prevalence rate is now. Mm -hmm. The, The reality is. Kara, that there's not a ton of money out there for research around this topic. 
And so, you know, those organizations that are looking to put research out there around prevalence sometimes struggle to put out as, you know, data as frequently as they would like because there's just a, a lack of funding around, you know, covering the cost of that research. And tell me why. Is it because of the taboo topic? Is there other just, you know, hot other research topics that they want money to go to? What is it about that? So, you know, part of it is that funders have their niche things that they fund, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's education, maybe it's system, uh, systemic racism, maybe it's uh, criminal justice reform. And, you know, those are all obviously incredibly valid topics to, to, to fund. The reality is that child abuse does not necessarily get the, um, the platform that is necessary because one, adults tend to focus on adults. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. Um, Mm -hmm. And two, the reality is that it is a stigmatized topic and people don't understand how childhood trauma, particularly sexual trauma, influences a lot of the things that I just mentioned. So we know that if a child is suffering from at least one ACE, adverse childhood experience, i.e. sexual abuse, um, then you're going to get to a place where they can't perform in school or they are not performing on the soccer field or, you know, they're going to grow up and use substances. They're going to make bad decisions that incarcerate them. Um, and so it is the root cause of, of many of you know society's ills and trying to educate funders that there is a connection and that you'll actually see better outcomes in your education projects if you focus on the prevention of child abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's an ongoing conversation. Yeah, that prevention of, of something and where we need to look at versus what we're seeing as the kind of the, the symptom, right? Um, right. Right. Uh-huh. So we're getting a little bit about better awareness. We're needing more um, research and money going to what else do we need to do? What are some other kind of things that we need to do better at when it comes to um, just abuse, abuse within the athletes? What are some other kind of strategies there that we need to do better with? So I think. I'm speaking to parents specifically right now. I, you know, I know how badly parents want their children to succeed at whatever given sport their kid is excelling at. Um, But the reality is we have to accept the fact that there is a possibility of danger, particularly associated with the more elite levels and the travel teams that your child is participating in. Mm -hmm. And I'm not advocating for everyone to accuse everyone of being, you know, someone trying to abuse a child. That's not what we're out there. We're talking about, but the Mm -hmm. vigilance that I would request parents to, to adopt um, really needs to be universally discussed amongst adults. And it, it's hard enough to speak to your children about those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but to speak to another adult is actually uh, more anxiety producing for most adults. And so being able to create a culture of communication around this, to create standard operating behaviors on travel teams and at a, the elite level in particular Uh, So that people don't feel accused, but that it just becomes, you know, a culture of safety Mm -hmm. is is really going to catapult the the athletic community to a place where children 
are much safer uh, when they're participating in some of these sports. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that's a really good point of, again, setting up a system that adults can do that within the community, within the sport organization um, to help athletes. What are some other top key strategies to lowering the incidence of athletes and keeping our youth athletes safe? Yeah, so I recommend being unpredictable. Mm. So if the coach who, you know, is is out there trying to hurt a child knows that you are consistently 10 minutes late picking up your kid from practice, Mm. then they're going to count on the fact that they have those extra 10 minutes potentially alone with your child. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, sometimes show up early, uh, sometimes stay for the whole practice, you know. Don't be afraid to be present in your child's life, even though they might roll their eyes and they get annoyed with you. And um, definitely be unpredictable so that the other adults around you know that you're going to show up whenever. Um, The other thing is continue to maintain an open dialogue with your kids. You know, ask them about how they feel about the adults that surround them and what other kids think about those adults and, you know, share, share articles with them. Maybe it's not always a conversation that you have to have, but text them the link to articles about this topic and sort of ask them what, what they think about it and just keep the dialogue open. The other, the final thing that I would recommend is, you know, don't, tell your child that if someone hurts them, that you're going to kill them. Um, And I know that sounds like, well, of course I'm going to kill them. I, if anyone hurts my child, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm mother, I'm a father. I I would do anything to protect my kid. What studies have shown is that most children who hear that want to protect you. Mm -hmm. And so they're not going to disclose to you because they're scared that if they say something, that you're going to negatively react and then you're going to be taken from their lives. So not only have they suffered through something, but they're also scared that they're going to suffer through losing their trusted adult in the process of keeping themselves safe. And so just watch, you know, your language to make sure that you are allowing the opportunity for disclosure to happen. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I'm just thinking of other experiences of of on the same line of I, I don't want to hurt my parent with this news. I don't want to disappoint them. I don't want to make them angry or yeah. make them sad. Yeah, that protective of the parents and therefore keeping it even more of a secret is such a really good point. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the trainings that you have available now online with uh, Darkness to Light? Sure. So I mentioned before our standard, you know, flagship two-hour training called Stewards of Children. That is the training that brings you through all five steps. And then recently during COVID, we actually released a Protecting Children During a Crisis training. This training is available for free. It's a 30-minute training that you can take online. It gives you a family action plan that you can build out with your family and it, our, our goal really is if there is a domestic situation uh, where both the safe adult in the household feels unsafe and the other adult is hurting a child, it gives you an opportunity to sort of think through ways that you might be able to prevent one-on-one time between, you know, the adult who's hurting the child and the child. Um, in addition, we have five other modules that focus on really specific things. The one maybe for your audience that you speak to most frequently would be uh, healthy touch. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So if you are a coach and you're trying to correct posture or help a, you know, athlete with their uh, back handspring or whatever, you know, asking for consent to touch the child before you, you touch them and to help them is a way of just teaching kids that they are allowed to say yes or no. And so it gives, you know, examples like that that help uh, coaches establish boundaries and children learn what safe, you know, touch feels like. Um, We also have a a training that connects, you know, child sexual abuse, which we also call non-commercial sexual exploitation to commercial sexual exploitation, i.e. human trafficking. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot of words, but what that Mm -hmm. means basically is, um, you know, child sexual abuse without compensation is actually connected to human trafficking because of the boundaries that those children did not originally form as young um, growing individuals. And so those who are trafficked are often, those are the qualities that the pimps and traffickers prey upon because they know that those kids are more vulnerable and have less um, self-reliance and and Mm self-esteem. Wow. Um, some great resources. And you guys are really doing so much. What other programs and work is Darkness to Light focusing on at this time? Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, we have a couple different things up our sleeves. Um, we are working with a lot of youth serving organizations. There has been a work with regard to, you know, putting together codes of conduct and checking boxes around are your staff members behaving in certain ways? And those are all very important things. But as we know, you know, checking a box is not the same thing as changing culture. Mm-hmm. And so we're really trying to figure out how do we systemically change the culture of youth serving organizations so that it is standard operating behavior to uh, not be alone with a child. And and most youth serving organizations have these codes of conduct, but whether they get implemented or not can often be a little tricky, particularly with new staff. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also putting together an app that we're hoping to release soon, um, which will help parents in their day-to-day actions. So, you know, connecting with a calendar so that they might be able to be reminded to show up to that practice early, uh, or they might get a sample text message to send a parent who's, you know, going to be hosting their child for a sleepover. Because again, this language component and the day-to-day activity is what's really important in terms of universally changing culture so we can protect kids better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Kaylin, this is really great information. And the tips you're sharing, I really love um, the unpredictability aspect. Uh, I think that's a great, great uh, tip. And again, thank you for being on, for talking about um, a serious but much needed uh, topic. So at the end of each interview, we like to know how you are living out the fit philosophy, especially in this kind of crazy time right now. So how are you balancing performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self um, and really being so busy with darkness to light? I love this question. It's something that I focus on with my team quite regularly. Mm-hmm. And we are, you know, we're huge into mental health because of what we talk about day in and day out. So Some of the things that we universally do and I do in particular is I turn off the notifications for my, my phone, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's email or Twitter, I, 
I I need to be able to go on to it when I want to go on to it. I don't want that phone sort of dictating, you know, my behavior, which really helps calm anxiety and, you know, allows me to focus on some of the things that I need to get accomplished. So I feel that sense of accomplishment. Um, I recently purchased an at-home like workout bike. So I finally am getting back into a place where I'm using physical exercise for, uh, you know, my mental health. And honestly, you know, I just continue to talk to my colleagues and, and create support networks and support systems because we're all going through some, some crazy moments now. And I think it's really important that we have that network, both personally and professionally, where we don't feel like we're alone and we can be honest about how insane the last, you know, 10 months have been. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking about the work that you guys do of, again, being a therapist and working with people that work with intense topics and intense environments. And then we have an intense time that we're living in. It's kind of stuff on top of stuff on top of stuff. So I can see where taking care of yourself <laughs> is really important within your organization. And I will, I, you know, I want to give a shout out to my board. They, as, as I'm sort of trying to take care of my team, they're also trying to take care of my, me and, and our senior leadership mm -hmm. team and having leadership on that level that understands that sometimes you need, you know, a little break unexpectedly or, um, that a, a project isn't going to get done on time and just giving people grace and empathy. My board is sort of pristine at that. And I'm, I'm very grateful to have the leaders that I do, you know, helping me guide this organization. Oh, absolutely. I think that's such uh, an important aspect of really of how people are taking care of their people is really important now. So uh, thank you for doing that. And thank you for being on. We're going to post um, all the information that people can um, access darkness to light. And again, thank you for talking about, talking about this topic, Caitlin. Thanks for having me on. I yes. really appreciate it. Have a good one. And bye, Queens. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as REDS, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, Queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at FitForQueen. And Hashtag fit for a queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.